You're listening to Wiley Connected, a series of podcasts on tech, law, and policy. In each podcast, technology-focused lawyers at Wiley, a Washington, D.C. law firm, break down innovation and law with a uniquely D.C. perspective. Welcome to the Wiley Connected podcast. Today, we are going to be taking a closer look at Spectrum for 5G. I am Katie Milner-Ross, and I'm a partner in the Telecom Media and Technology Group at Wiley. I'm joined by Senior Associate Meredith Singer, and we are thrilled to be joined by Kara Graves, Assistant Vice President Regulatory Affairs at CTIA. CTIA has been a thought leader in spectrum policy for years and has been leading the charge in helping the government craft smart spectrum policies that will propel us into the fifth generation of wireless leadership. So this spectrum-focused podcast is part of Wiley's 5G regulatory roadmap effort. We recently released a primer on the most important practical, legal, and policy issues arising from 5G, and we held a webinar previewing some of those legal issues. Now we're breaking down those issues into bite-sized podcasts to help companies navigate these new and cross-cutting issues that are accompanying the very exciting rollout of 5G technologies. So Kara, it'd be great if you could get us started on this discussion. What 5G spectrum developments are CTIA's members most pleased with so far, and what's on your wish list for 2020? So first of all, I'll say thank you so much for having me. I love that we are having a female-focused conversation on these very important Mm -hmm. issues. I appreciate being part of the conversation. In terms of what am I proud of, I really couldn't be more proud of the investment our member companies are making to deploy the next generation of connectivity. And I'm proud of the FCC for putting in place the policies we need to make that happen. We're seeing three high-band auctions in 2019. The commission took substantial steps to modernize its infrastructure siting policies to provide clarity and uh, for siting network architecture that's needed to support 5G. And to really get to the punchline, uh, I'll say that our number one focus coming into 2020 will be solving the mid-band deficit and, and really making sure that we get these critical ranges uh, out into the marketplace. So, you know, circling back, I don't think that we can understate the impact of industry's motivation to get next generation wireless into the hands of consumers. We saw the wireless industry devoting significant resources to be the first amongst its global competitors to get 5G rolled out commercially. And we've seen it in 25 states now so far across the country. So, you know, things like forward thinking spectrum policies, the critical clarifications on infrastructure that the FCC adopted really are working to make sure that industry has what it needs to deploy under clear and consistent rules and making sure that we have a high capacity spectrum to make that happen. Now, I don't think I'm I'm speaking to anybody who doesn't know about this, but we really do need to make sure that when we're talking about spectrum policy, that we're talking about a mix of low, mid, and high band spectrum. And, you know, the FCC has done a really great job with regard to high band and low band, uh, but we do want to make sure that that mid band workhorse spectrum is available as well. Um, Unfortunately, the U.S. is falling behind in terms of where we are compared to other benchmark countries. Japan, for instance, is rolling out 800 megahertz of mid-band spectrum for its carriers. You see countries like China with 300 megahertz per operator, Germany auctioning 250 megahertz, a number of countries focused on getting large swaths of mid-band spectrum out to their carriers. And so we'll be working hard this year, along with our industry counterparts and along with federal policymakers, to ensure that we close that mid-band deficit and ensure that there's spectrum in these sort of Goldilocks bands under 5G-friendly roles to make uh, the next generation of uh, networks get out to the public. That's great. That's a wonderful wish list, and we certainly hope you get all of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you had to choose, what do you think is the one FCC initiative or policy that you'd really like to see get done this year, and why is that thing so important for 5G? 
So it's a great question. Unfortunately, I really do have a wish list because <laughs> when you think about mid-band spectrum, there are there are a lot of opportunities. You know, the FCC right now is taking a look at getting an auction of 3.5 this year. And we're really glad to see that Chairman Pai announced that we're going to see 280 megahertz of spectrum rolled out in the 3.7 band. These are really important issues. We're glad to see that the FCC is taking a look at making sure that this spectrum gets deployed and into the hands of, of those who want to deploy it across the country. We're seeing experts exponential growth with regard to data use across the country. So basically, so maintaining U.S. leadership really does require that we take action on mid-band spectrum, including the bands I talked about, but also, you know, making sure that we're taking a look at a unique opportunity in the six gigahertz band as well. This is a huge swath of spectrum. We don't get to talk about things like 1200 megahertz of spectrum outside of the high band context very often. And so one thing that we are going to be focused on as well is making sure that the commission is taking a balanced approach to what's available in that band. Right now, the balance, unfortunately, is off with regard to unlicensed and licensed spectrum in the mid-band range, we see about 10 times more spectrum available to unlicensed users than we have to licensed users today. And even taking into consideration the, you know, the, the spectrum that's going to be made available in 2020, it's unfortunately still not a balance that's quite right. And so we think there is an opportunity to make sure that the commission has a balanced approach while also making sure that the critical incumbents in that band are protected. In all honesty, Spectrum really is a long game, though, so it is hard to pick one specific thing and one particular issue. Um, but I will say, just thinking ahead as well, I'm really glad to see that, that Congress and the FCC uh, are taking a look, NTIA as well, at the three, the lower three gigahertz band and uh, figuring out ways to make that available for commercial use as well. So at the end of the day, a lot of different piece parts, but really making sure that that mid-band deficit is, is pulled tighter. And Kara, we heard you mention Spectrum efforts in other countries like China, Japan, Germany. Who do you think is actually winning this race to 5G at this point? And, you know, why should we care? So it's a great question. There's no doubt that there is a race because we want to make sure that the economic benefits we saw from 4G leadership make it to the 5G world. With 4G leadership, we doubled the number of U.S. wireless-related jobs in three years. We saw an extra $100 billion to the GDP outside of the wireless industry. And we saw things like the apps economy happening here in the U.S. first, whether it's Uber or DoorDash. That type of innovation is what we want to see in the U.S. with 5G as well. And as a result of the investment in the leadership that we had in 4G, the U.S. wireless industry now contributes something like $475 billion to the U.S. economy a year. So we really want to make sure that that leadership extends into 5G as well. And when we're talking about a race, there really is no single finish line. But I think it's you know not necessarily about the number of sites that get deployed, but about creating a platform for the 5G economy. And in that regard, the U.S. really does have an edge. As I mentioned before, the U.S. was the first to get commercial deployments of 5G, and we're now seeing 5 5G deployment in 25 states across the country. We saw one carrier deploying low band spectrum across the country to something like 200 million people. So we're poised to benefit from the advantage that we have through the new 5G economy that is going to be enabled right here in the U.S., whether it's you know the first 5G hospital in Chicago, whether it's my alma mater, the University of Miami, having the first 5G campus. We really are strong believers of U.S. innovation and in making sure that the exciting services that 5G has to offer are right here in the U.S. first.
That's great. I think for all of those reasons, it seems like winning the race to 5G is really important. And there's generally seems to be pretty broad consensus that winning is going to be critical. But there are some disagreements about how to get there. We've seen that even within this administration as NTIA and the FCC look to reallocate spectrum from federal agencies to commercial use. How has 5G been playing into the narrative, Katie? Do you think that it's something that the FCC can use as a trump card, or is it um, a narrative that's losing steam? How do you how do you see this playing out? It's been a really interesting year to watch this unfold, the 5G spectrum debate, for the great reasons that Kara mentioned in terms of innovation and economic benefits. 5G is a critical technology, but, but there are definitely agreements, sometimes very visible agreements, among different sectors of the government about about how we get there. So 5G definitely has not given the FCC carte blanche to reallocate spectrum from federal agencies for commercial use. And we've seen those tension points arise in the federal versus commercial spectrum debate in a couple different ways over the last year. Uh, For example, in the 24 gigahertz band, there were some late coming objections from NTIA and NOAA claiming that 5G services could disrupt weather forecasting activities in adjacent bands. And there was some similar controversy in April when Commerce pushed the FCC to compromise on a sharing arrangement for military and commercial mobile services in the 37 gigahertz band. NTIA voiced some concerns that these rules favoring the wireless industry would forever constrain DOD operations in the band. But on the other hand, the FCC was getting frustrated because they said DOD couldn't really pinpoint what the government's future use would look like. So at different points throughout the year, we have seen frustration from the FCC and the commissioners with the federal spectrum reallocation process, specifically with the Department of Commerce, who's representing its federal government spectrum users. I think these battles are going to continue to play out in the next year. The reallocation determinations are going to have to be made, and those decisions are going to come down to what's currently being done in the band and how easy it would be to reallocate users or rationalize or make more efficient use of it. So more to come on that, I think. In light of that, Meredith, that raises another question. With those constraints, what are government and industry going to need to do to get creative about uh, freeing new spectrum for commercial use? Where do they go if there's not that much new spectrum to use? So one thing that this administration has been looking at pretty actively over the course of the past year, and NTIA in particular, has been spectrum sharing, which is a hot topic because it offers the potential to make more spectrum commercially available where clearing bands for exclusive use may not otherwise be possible. But at the same time, I think history has shown that exclusive use licensing has led to the United States being a global leader in wireless technologies. And so there's a bit of a debate over where sharing is appropriate, how often it should be deployed. I think the wireless industry has been pretty clear that, you know, exclusive use licensing is still going to need to be the cornerstone of 5G deployments. But there may be some opportunities in some bands where sharing or some combination may be feasible. So sharing is something that's going to be, I think, a hotter topic as we continue into next year. Aside from sharing, we've also heard even more innovative approaches. Commissioner Rosenworcel, for example, has floated the idea of using cutting-edge technologies like blockchain to support shared access and spectrum bands. It's a little unclear how that would work at this point, but I think the overall point is that, you know, we are going to have to get creative about it. There might might have to be new solutions, and I think we'll have to see where that takes us in the next year or so. 
So just to chime in, um, you know, I think, Katie, going back to a point that you made with regard to non-federal access to federal bans, um, you know, I think oftentimes we think about the fact that allowing commercial access to federally held spectrum can actually be a win-win, both for the wireless carriers and the federal government. Um, the wireless industry has worked tirelessly over years with Congress, with NTIA, with DOD, with the FCC, all recognizing the fact that mission-critical federal operations can be protected, and oftentimes they can upgrade to new technologies as well once you open up the opportunity for shared use. And so these are longstanding collaborations between NTIA, DOD, and the industry that I'm really happy to see continue as we move forward. Um, looking forward to for further discussions on that. And to uh, Meredith, to your point with regard to sharing, I think that requires further discussions as well. Um, you're absolutely right that licensed exclusive use spectrum really is the lifeblood of wireless networks. It's what got us the 4G leadership that we have today. But the wireless industry absolutely recognizes that some bands just aren't going to be available for for exclusive use. And in that case, you know, we think there are opportunities to develop spectrum sharing arrangements and to make sure that there is transparency and certainty and there are incentives for efficient use of spectrum. All, you know, key characteristics that need to be considered as we start thinking about sharing arrangements. I think that's true. And there may be some lessons learned that can be taken away from the 3.5 gigahertz band, which is finally just starting to get off the ground. Some have called for sharing to be implemented more broadly. And I think the wireless industry has sort of said correctly, maybe we should wait and see what lessons we can take from this band and apply them elsewhere. So I think we're starting to get to a point where we might actually have some lessons learned that we can take and apply elsewhere. So it's an exciting time to see where sharing will go. No, absolutely. And, and to that point, you know, every band is different. So there can absolutely be lessons learned. It doesn't mean that every model is going to work wholesale for every instance, uh, but certainly want to take a look and see what the opportunities are for each individual case. Oh, I've heard from both of you now about unlicensed spectrum. That's an issue that keeps coming up and I expect will continue to keep coming up over 2020 and beyond. Meredith, what are your thoughts on how unlicensed fits into the picture for 5G? And Kara, I'd love to get your take on this too. I mean, unlicensed is going to play an important role in 5G deployments. That much is clear. I think what's less clear is how big the disparity should be between unlicensed and, and licensed. I mean, Kara pointed out the mid-band disparity is rather significant. There's also a pretty significant disparity in high-band spectrum between licensed and unlicensed. The FCC is still looking at opportunities for even more unlicensed in the 6 gigahertz band. And I think what we'd like to see or what I think the wireless industry would like to see is a little bit more parity between, you know, what's licensed and what's not. So. I think that's exactly right. I don't necessarily think it has to be a one-to-one -one ratio, but we do want to make sure that there is less of an imbalance with regard to the spectrum that is made available. The wireless industry has always said there needs to be both. The licensed industry relies on unlicensed spectrum as well. We just want to make sure that when we're talking about that, we're finding the right balance as well. And the FCC is increasingly coming up with creative ways to make spectrum available, as we talked about, both for licensed use, but also for unlicensed. You know, take the 5.9 band. That already has allocations, and the FCC is taking a fresh look at what to do there. And 6 gigahertz as well. That band is a licensed band today. So the FCC is, I think, pretty being pretty novel and creative and trying to find opportunities for unlicensed. And so what we need to make sure we're doing is we need to recognize that those licensed or those unlicensed operations, rather, will always be secondary. And so we have to make sure that to the extent they are made available, that incumbents are protected in the band. And in 6 gigahertz in particular, there are a lot 
lot of very critical incumbents, whether it's public safety or railroads, utilities, broadcasters, the wireless industry, we have to make sure that those links are protected in a very fulsome way. Um, you know, that being said, I think at a broader level, as I mentioned earlier, 1200 megahertz is a lot of spectrum. So there really are opportunities to try to figure out how uh, the FCC can find the best balance for those bands. Well, it's hard to believe our time is almost over, but as a concluding question, I think it'd be helpful if we could all say what's one thing to watch on the spectrum front in 2020. There's obviously a lot going on. So if you had to choose, what's the one thing we should be keeping an eye on? Well, in keeping with all of my answers, you asked for one and I'll give you two. Mm -hmm. um, two things that I will be keeping on an eye on for next year are solving the mid-band deficit and making sure we're creating a platform for 5G innovation. Uh, on the first front, we need to make sure we're driving forward auctions in 3.5 and 3.7, and we need to find a better balance in 6 gigahertz. Um, other countries are pushing ahead, as we mentioned, uh, for hundreds of megahertz of mid-band spectrum per carrier. So we need to make sure America's wireless industry has the benefit of that very high capacity, but high coverage spectrum as well. On the second front, we need to take a step back, I think, and appreciate the immense economic and consumer benefits that are being fueled by making available airwaves for 5G. Um, we, you know, we saw and we talked about how 4G created new experiences and new industries over the past 10 years, and we want to make sure that we're thinking about that as well as 5G starts to permeate our lives. So, you know, we'll be uh, with 5G. We're going to be driving towards millions of new jobs. We're going to see already seeing, in fact, multiple carriers competing to deliver these services. Services. We've got Fortune 500 companies deploying their own 5G strategies, and we've got venture capital funds as well uh, looking to invest in the coming 5G startups. So really exciting times ahead. I want to make sure that we're creating the platform for that type of economic activity. You know, do we have more work to do? Absolutely. We need to deliver more mid-band for commercial use. We need to make sure that we're deploying more networks in states and communities across the country. We need to make sure we're doing both of those things quickly. But given the progress that's already been made, I am confident that we will successfully address each of these challenges and really start to see how the U.S. is going to reap the benefits of our new 5G economy. I think that's right. I think mid-band in particular is clearly going to be the story for 2020. To bring it back to a point we just discussed as spectrum sharing, I think as we look to new bands that NTIA might take a more active role in, they've made clear that sharing is definitely on their radar. And so we're going to see continued debates over the propriety of sharing and you know whether and where it should be applied. Those are great points. To add in my last thought too, this is kind of ancillary to spectrum, but it's going to be key to the rollout of 5G networks as infrastructure. Carriers are putting some of the millimeter wave, high band spectrum they've won at auction to work in densifying their networks and preparing 5G rollouts. And to do that, they're going to be um, adding new equipment to existing structures and putting out new wireless infrastructure as well. So the FCC has been cognizant of this issue and has taken steps over really the last two years to tackle some of these challenges. But more work remains to be done for sure. And the FCC and the courts in 2020, I predict, will be flushing out the permissible scope of regulation. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see if litigation could potentially slow down the race to 5G. Thank you so much to Kara Graves for joining us today and for your insights on Spectrum straight from CTIA, one of the expert sources. And thanks to Meredith. Uh, we hope you tune into our other podcast on the complex issues accompanying the rollout of 5G infrastructure, which I just mentioned will have a podcast as well as equipment authorization, national security. We have lots of good things in store. So thank you for joining Wiley Connected. Thank you for tuning in to the Wiley Connected podcast brought to you by the attorneys at Wiley. 
If you enjoyed this episode of Wiley Connected, we encourage you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For additional resources and materials, head over to WileyConnect.com. Thank you for listening. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Wiley Ryan LLP and its employees. The material contained in this podcast is not intended to be and is not considered to be legal advice. Transmission is not intended to create and receipt does not establish an attorney-client relationship.